Welcome to Interruptions Podcast, where we have heartfelt and sacred discussions about our culture, faith tradition, and our community. We invite guests who are open and willing to share their journey and disrupt the silence on their personal and professional interruptions that have impacted their lives as it relates to emotional wellness. Kathy and I are passionate about every episode and committed to providing actionable advice that you can apply today to reinvent yourself on your life journey and encourage you to develop a path toward healing. I am one of your co-hosts, Reverend O. And I am Kathy Patton. How are you? How are you, Kathy? Oh. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, the holidays, everything. I know I did a presentation at work today about having a relaxing and stressful, stress, stressless holiday. So it was pretty fun. We had a good time. Good, and I love the Christmas tree. I know. <laughs> Don't look too close. It's only lights. There's no decorations on it yet, but the decorations are over here somewhere waiting to, <laughs> to get put on. <laughs> That's as close as they got. <laughs> uh, listen, I, got, I have to do mine, you know. Coming back from Paris today, I, there are no gifts underneath the tree as a gift. Uh, well, I, I think that that's so, your gift. The fact that you came yes. back from Paris, I think that's awesome. Yes, and everything anyone's going to get, they will receive for Christmas. You know, they say Paris is the city of love, so this is perfect that our next two podcasts are about love during the holidays. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So to, today is our podcast number 27. I just want you to know. And it is called Falling in Love Part One. <laughs> and I want to um, ask Kevin to bring in our guest today, who is Regina Mullins. Hi, everybody. I'm here. Hi, how are you? Hi. I'm doing well. It's great to be here tonight with you. Oh, Merry Christmas, Regina. Merry Christmas. And so good. And welcome to the Interruption Podcast. Do you know Kathy Patton? I've no. seen Kathy, but I don't know her personally. No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm everywhere. So maybe that. Yes, that's, <laughs> maybe a, that's right. Yes, when, you have, when you're around at different things. You may be in the same company, but you may just not know each other. But okay. it's nice to meet you, Kathy. Same here. Same here. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, this is our unique space where, you know, I wear the red and white. She wears the pink and green. But, you know, we just, we hold it down all either love, way. All love. That's it. <laughs> all love. And you went to Paris with her sorority sister. I did. I went to um, Paris with Dory Dumas. Oh, okay. So that okay. Oh, awesome. Yes, awesome. yes. She's a she's a great travel partner. I'll tell she you. Really I is. Love she really she is. is. I love traveling with her. Yes, I was looking at your pictures and I said, that story. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. And oh, I have to tell you why. Time. I have to tell you why we went together. Okay. Um, yeah. We my husband, when I turned 50, had given me the trip to Paris and it was beautiful. I opened this box and I saw this writing and I said, oh, this is French. I don't know what this means. I took the box and threw it to the side, went back to my party guests. And so my daughter was like, did you see what daddy gave you for, for your birthday? 
I said, yeah, he gave me a, um, some French letter, some French wording. I'm going to look at it later. So my daughter, who speaks French, read it to me, and it was a love story. And then he Aww. says, for, for your 50th birthday, I'm going to take you to Paris. We will do Paris together. And then oh, he passed away oh. before we take that. Not yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, well, we're going to oh, back up. It's out the bag. Right. It's out the But that's bag. okay. okay. That, but, oh. That is wonderful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Regina, you know, on our show, we, uh, I know that Odell had shared with you that we talk about life interruptions, but we don't get stuck there, right? Yes. But um, it's important right. to understand that our life doesn't always uh, work out the way that we intentionally plan. And so if you needed to share with us your first life interruption, thinking back, um, and it could be at any time in your life, what do you think that interruption would have been? when I was a little girl and you know how you have the, 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 what you think is the perfect family dynamic. You have the mother, you have the father, you have the siblings and you live in the big house. I mean, you never have a care in the world and you don't realize that within a marriage, things are going wrong because you're a kid. You don't understand that. Mm -hmm. And then the interruption comes where divorce happens and what you knew to be your life now changes. The whole dynamic changes because you now have to pick up and you leave the space that you knew that you woke up to every day, that all your friends and all your cousins and everybody lived and you go one direction and the parent that's left without children goes the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so my first life interruption was when my parents got divorced because life as I knew it changed forever for me. How old were you then, if you don't mind sharing? I was seven. Seven. Okay. So even as, and yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Odell. No, no, no. And where, and where were you all living, Regina? At the time we were, I was born and pretty much raised in Newark, New Jersey at that point. And so we had never come to Connecticut. That's where we moved. And then like, why are we going to this place called Connecticut? And who would he, who do we know there? Because we never came to see family members in Connecticut. So when we wind up coming here, it was just like, to me, very devastating um, because I'm in a place that's foreign to me. I don't know these people. I wanted to be with my father. I wanted our family to be together. And that just wasn't gonna happen again. And so life was interrupted for me and it was just never the same. How was that shared with you? Did did your parents sit you all down and have a conversation or was it just you overhearing? Was it a formal kind of conversation? I mean, as formal as it can be for a seven-year-old, right? But how was Um, that shared? Well, to be honest with you, there were some um, underlying family issues that were going on. Mm-hmm. And it was a situation where we had to leave. Okay. And so in that moment, leaving was the only choice that we had. We just couldn't stay in that environment anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so as a child, you don't understand okay. that because, like I said, you're a kid and you see everything as beautiful and everything is lovely. Mm-hmm. But the adults know things that they don't tell you. You know, I'm a 60s baby. So back then, family business was family business. Mm-hmm. You didn't tell things about the yeah. family. And things were kept within the doors of the house. 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, they they handle things as adults. They talk about things as adults. And so as a kid, you kind of never really knew that there were things happening that were really not safe for, for children to be in, a safe space. So, you know, nobody explains that to you. Yeah. Now, that's the life that we talked about, um, expectations that we have of what life is supposed to be. But Regina, you and your family, your mother moves you here. Yes. And you had how many siblings? Seven. My mother is a seven strong siblings. woman. She came to <laughs> Connecticut with seven kids. Woo! Woo! Much praise to her. Yes, I raised the roof to that woman. That's right. So you, you and your siblings are here and you are, and I'm fast forwarding us forward. You meet your husband and you are married for 23 wonderful years with two children. Yes. And our podcast today, Regina, is called Falling in Love. So even though your parents went through a divorce, it did not prevent you or stop you from saying, I want to fall in love. And you fall in love, you get married. So give us a beautiful snapshot of the first time you remember being in love with your husband. What did that feel like? Where were you? What was going on? Okay, so... First, I have to say, my husband was 14 years older than me, which was okay with me because I always had older friends. I never really kind of socialized in circles with people my own age. So it was kind of destined for me to meet someone that was a little bit older than I was, only because I was always with older people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, You know what? It's like this would be a three-hour bro- um, podcast if I talk. Okay. If I talk about the love that I had for my husband, oh, when I say aw. just him saying my name, I don't mm. know if anyone's if, if you've ever been in love where someone can just call your name, mm-hmm. and when they call your name, yes. it just draws you in because mm-hmm. it's not where they're saying Regina, I need you, or Regina, come here. It was Regina. You know, Aww. it's like it's like he had me. He had me just he that had you at hello, right? He just had me at hello. <laughs> and so, as my kids would say, he got me with a Snickers and a what is it? A bag of barbecue chips, a Snickers and a Pepsi because Aww. I was young, <laughs> and that those were probably the things I like to eat and drink. But when I say that, Kenny, Kenny, my first of all, his name was Kenneth Milton Mullins, and. He just enveloped like the beauty of what a man could be for, for a woman. And, you know, as far as like responsibility, shielding you, caring for you, loving, um, always wanting to see the best. Um, you know, sometimes people think that you can have a strong like that, strong love like that, and that you still can't have issues. But the issues were to me never something that could break the love because the love was so strong. Um, he used to have a nickname for me, and he used to call me his satin doll. So, you know, the Duke nice. Ellington song, I was his satin doll. And he treated me in a manner where I understood that although he was younger than me, I was able to teach him so much about love. You know, he was handsome. He was debonair. He was a photographer. Everybody knew him in New Haven. And so it's like, if you say you knew Ken Mullings, it was like, okay. You know, Ken Mullins, 
Well, Ken Mullins, that was my man, you know, and, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and you know, just the little things he would do to dote on me, you know, I would, he would like on special days when he would get his paycheck, he would go to the boutiques downtown and he would buy me the flashiest outfits beautiful things to dress up with. And we would go out on the weekends and have nights on the town. Like we weren't rich at that point, but like for him, it was important for him to show me how much he really loved me by just mm -hmm. showing me out and showing me good things and finer things in life. And so we, you know, to embrace a love like that, it's like, if I never love another person in my life, I can say that God sent me a love that was something I can carry with me for the rest of my life and know that I had it and something I wish every woman could experience in her life because it was just amazing. That's beautiful. That is, that is so wonderful. Thank you for sharing and your smile and your voice changes. Yes. So our audience is definitely going to say, I can feel that from here. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Regina, you all are married for 23 years. You have two children and then interruption happens. Your husband is sick. Yes. He is, as you was, as we were going through your story, you were saying that he had a heart issue Yes. and was being diagnosed for a heart issue. But during that, during that surgery, you all found out something else about your husband that you didn't know about his health. Yes. What was that? He um, had pancreatic cancer and we didn't know it. And so all of this pretty much happened around the time we were just talking about Paris. So I turned 50, we're celebrating, you know, we're planning the trip. He goes and has the surgery. And then we find out that the, there's an interruption now. This man has cancer. And because the procedure had already been done, the method of way, the method and the way treatment could happen for him had to change. So he didn't have a lot of treatment options. It was only going to be chemo, um, chemotherapy. We could not do a radiation treatment at that point because mm -hmm. now he had something in his heart that was protecting him from a major heart attack. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and I'm like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm a faith woman. And I'm like, Lord, this can't be happening right now. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't so much even about the trip. It was about the fact that our children were off in college. This was our time now. We didn't mm -hmm. have children in mm -hmm. the house. We can pick up and go and do whatever we wanted to do. We actually were about to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And you know, we were looking for houses, found a house there, had our house here on the market. And it's like, why is this all happening right now? And why to us? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Regina, you said you were a faith woman. Explain yeah. that. What is that? I was going to ask the same thing. When I talk about faith, I talk about believing whatever the promise of God is that if I call that into my life, that it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about faith, I talk about not seeing something as it is, but seeing something as it could be. So someone can give me a diagnosis and tell me, oh, we found this in your system. And as a doctor, they saw it, I can see it and it's mm -hmm. there. But what does my faith cause me to believe even though I saw what they saw? So now I'm gonna go back to my Bible, which mm -hmm. is my lifeline. 
that Bible tells me that although sickness comes upon my body, that my body is already healed. Mm -hmm. So now I have to take it a step further. When it starts talking about healing, how can I be healed when I just saw what they saw in that diagram? Mm -hmm. And that's when I talk about my faith because my faith has to be stirred up strong enough for even if the outcome doesn't happen the way I want it to, that my faith is never gonna change what God promised me. And that's when I say I'm a faith woman, everything I do is by the faith that I stand upon, knowing that if God said it, it's gonna happen. And it may not see, it may not happen the way I think it's supposed to happen, but it's going to happen in his timing. Regina, what were your conversations like with God at that time? First and foremost, I was like, God, you said he's healed. So he's healed. And because he's healed from this, we're going to walk in faith and believe that he's healed. No matter what we see on that diagram, no matter what they tell us. And see, the thing about it is my husband lived in a body with cancer at stage four for two and a half years. You don't hear about that happening. When we would go to the doctor, we would see the x-rays. The cancer was just laying dormant. And so that's a faith walk that every time you go, you see the same thing, but it's not traveling. The doctors can't tell you why it's not traveling. And they were using experimental drugs. So they didn't even know if the stuff that they were using was going to give a negative or positive effect. Mm -hmm. But every time we went, it was like, we got this. We mm -hmm. do our fist pump. We got this. Whatever they tell us, we're still walking in faith because we told God that we don't want you to die from this. Mm -hmm. Regina, one of the things that happened with my interruption is that I began to question God. I asked God many questions. Why? Why did this happen? Why didn't you save my child from that interruption that happened and i got angry at god and you know when you're in the faith kathy and i talk about this all the time that people were saying i should have been healed by now i should i should not be crying a year later and that it was meant you know if it happened it was god's will for it to happen and your child is in a much better place and like Kathy said, we know those conversations. What was you feeling? You're, you said, you said, I'm a praying woman. I'm a woman of faith. But how did that really impact your relationship with God? What did it do for your relationship with God? It, what it actually drew me closer. It drew me closer because Kenny, although he believed in God, it was like I had to have the the faith for both of us. So it was like, he knew how I lived. He knew how I believed. And he wasn't at the level that I was. So it was almost as if I had to believe for both of us. So what we would do in the morning, we would have affirmations. And I would say, okay, let's read our affirmation for today. I'd write out an affirmation and we would read it. And then I would say, do you believe it? And he would say, yes. And I'd look at him again, do you really believe it? And he'd say, Yes, Regina, I believe it. And I says, I don't want you to believe it because I believe it. I want you to believe it because you believe it. Because we're walking this thing together. I'm not walking this by myself and neither are you. And so I tell people all the time, 
I can pray for you, but if you don't believe it, there is nothing going to happen mm -hmm. because it's according to your faith, not according to my faith. I agree with you in what you're believing. So if you're believing negative, I can't believe positive for you. You see? And so mm -hmm. sometimes when people say, well, you should be beyond something or you should be past something or God meant this to happen. I think a, time, a lot of times people misspeak because they really don't know. And they just want to tell you something because in their view, they may think they're comforting you. But I think sometimes yes. it's best to be silent because some of the things that we experienced when people would come up to him and the things that people would say and things that people would, oh, you know, well, I went to a doctor's appointment one time and a woman told me, well, you know, you look sick. And I'm like, well, we're in the doctor's office. Don't, well, maybe people <laughs> went to the doctor's office. And then she started telling him, you look different. And so in my brain, I'm like, please don't let her say something that he's already feeling bad about the way his body looks. Please, she works here. She should know better. And she says, tell me what's going on. And he says, well, I've been diagnosed with cancer. And the first thing she said to him was, God put it on you. He can take it off of you. And I thought I was going to lose my mind up in that doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? Because to me, I just felt that that was so insensitive. Because mm -hmm. when people hear about God, they hear about God as being this person who loves them, who mm -hmm. wants to do great things for them, yes. who wants mm -hmm. them to have the best life. So you don't know if a person knows God or if they don't know God. Mm -hmm. And so now if they didn't believe him and everybody's been telling them, oh, God will take care of this for you. Now you're telling them something opposite that God maybe really doesn't love me because mm -hmm. if he's going to give me something that I think is going to kill me, then how can he love me if he's going to kill me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that is a question that we all go through when we're dealing with um, grieving. Mm -hmm. If God loves us, then why do you take our loved one? Mm -hmm. But what I had to rediscover when you talk about going back to the scripture, what I had to rediscover is God said, I'm here to save the soul. I save the soul. You want to touch the body. You want to see the smile. And that is not something that God ever promises mm -hmm. us. I will save the soul. And it took me two years to finally rest with that, to know that my son's soul was saved. Because if, as Christian, this is what we believe in. But we go through all of the emotions nonetheless. And I'm, I know you had a lot of support in going through your process of grief and dealing with your husband's loss. I mean, the death of your husband mm -hmm. and your children, how are they doing? My children, um, they're still on their journey with a lot of the things. Um, okay. we, had a, we had a couple of life events that were going on before Kenny transitioned. Um, he passed away on a Tuesday and it was crazy because I actually had been working remote the whole time. That morning, I wind up getting someone to come and be in the home in the house with them. And he probably kept saying to me, go to work, Regina. You need to leave the house, go to work. And I was like, no, I don't wanna go to work today. I'm, I've been home, I can work here. And that one day that I went, when I came back home, that was the day he transitioned. 
Mm-hmm. And so in my in my brain, I know that he knew that he was leaving me and he didn't want me to be present when it all happened. Mm-hmm. And so he passed, he transitioned. Sunday was Father's Day. And then the following Saturday, our daughter was getting married. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot yes. going on. So and how did she- you, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead, ask a question. No. That's okay. Um, how did how did you all handle all of that? I I mean, the, I I have to imagine the entire time of the illness, it was kind of like an outer body experience. Did you ever feel um, connected with yourself at any of those points, or did you feel like you were just acting based on situations that you were facing on a daily basis? Does that make sense I'm, to you? Yes, I'm glad you asked that question, Kathy, because a lot of times people don't understand. Like they look at you and they think that you're such a strong person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I kept hearing. Regina's so strong. Regina's so strong. Regina's so strong. Regina was really mentally out of control. Mm-hmm. And it was, I couldn't think about Regina because I had my husband. I had to take care of my husband. My daughter had actually moved back home with us with a then three-year-old. I think mm-hmm. it's three. No, yeah, he was three, three years old. And um, we were taking care of him. And so it was like I had this dynamic of I was taking care of everybody, but I wasn't taking care of myself. So mm-hmm. everything I was doing pretty much was out of the body that I was in to make sure that everything else got balanced out. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day, just driving to a location and I was so sleepy. I I don't know how I got from, I remember seeing the Christmas tree shop and there's a traffic light up at the, up at the corner. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how I got to the traffic light, but that when I, I woke mm-hmm. up, the light was red and I stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's when I said, oh my God, what's happening to me? Because I'm not me right now. And I didn't know how to come out of that because I still had people to take care of, things to handle, and I was doing it all on my own. And you know, Regina, as women of color, people around us always say to us, oh, you're strong. Oh, you can handle this. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. These are all the wrong things that people say to us and that they expect. But It is so important. I'm glad that you're here today Mm -hmm. and our podcast is called Falling in Love because you had God in your life. You had a network of support. Even though your husband transitioned, you had to be there for your daughter. And it was a lot, a lot that's put on us life Mm -hmm. of what we're going through, but you were there. And then the most important thing that Kathy and I try to do on this podcast is to let people know exactly what you said. We have to stop and take care of ourselves. We have to check our own temperature Mm -hmm. on our own bodies Mm -hmm. because people around us keep expecting us to keep going and keep going because we're black and we're women and we're strong. And those are perceptions and weight that are just too heavy for us to carry. Mm -hmm. So I am so glad that you mentioned that I was having this out of this outer body experience. Yeah. Yes. Whew. And I just wanted to say one other thing. 
one thing that actually happened the day of my daughter's wedding, and I know it was sent by God because we, my, my husband had a friend who had an outdoor rest at a restaurant and it was, he had an outdoor courtyard, which he gifted to my daughter for a wedding gift. Mm -hmm. And so now everybody's trying not to be somber that day. And I'm really trying to hold it together for her because my daughter is very close with her. She was very close with her dad. My kids were very close with their father. And so what a, what a young lady wants more than anything is for her father to look dapper in his suit, walking her down the aisle and placing her in the hands of another man to take care of her. And, you know, she got to have that at her sweet 16 where he transitioned her into a young woman into a, a, a young young lady, a young lady into a young woman. You know, he was able to change her shoes and put her new shoes on. So she got that experience. So we're there at the at the wedding, and it's outside. My husband used to work for the fire department, and he was a fire marshal before he retired. We're outside, and her husband says his vows to her, and just as soon as she's about to say her vows a fire truck comes blaring down the street. Mm -hmm. The engine going and it's real, 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 real. We had to like stop, the, we had to stop the ceremony because the, the engine was so loud. The engine passes by and this actually gets better. We're outside, it's not windy, nothing is happening. All of a sudden after the fire truck leaves, a, a swoosh of air that you can literally hear goes through oh. us so we're outside the trees don't wrestle or anything and you hear Shh. Mm. and they record it on video oh, as and i tell people unless you were there you could never understand it mm -hmm. and everybody that was at the ceremony felt it but everybody was scared and my brother finally says oh my goodness did you feel that so now everybody's like okay i didn't just feel it myself Mm -hmm. That's Kenny. Kenny is here with us. Aww. And it was like Aww. his spirit just came mm -hmm. through at the time when she needed him the most. And that's why I say, when you need God, God shows up. Mm -hmm. And she was mm -hmm. able to say her vows after that. And everybody at that point was able to kind of let their guard down and mm -hmm. celebrate nice. what was happening at that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, it's just something that just would never happen. Mm -hmm. But he mm -hmm. made himself present in his spirit mm -hmm. to make sure she knew that I may not be here, here with you physically, but my spirit is right here with you, baby girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's a beautiful story. And I'm sure you just smile. That's the kind of man he like, is. I told you. And you were sitting there like, look what he did. Yes, <laughs> and you could just like love. This is what love mm -hmm. does. So Regina, your husband transitions. Your daughter is married, and your grandmother. And life is different. I know you have to go through a readjustment and all of this. And I, and I love the fact that you keep saying that I'm, I'm a praying woman. I'm a woman of faith, and this is a beautiful thing. And now Regina is an author. Yes, 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 you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. You are the author of the book, and I pray. Yes. Um, talk to us about why someone would want to use the book, the journal, 
and I pray. We know it's on Amazon. Yes. We're going to have the link available for people to find it. But let our audience know, the women know, the woman, you know, the, the woman who's been in love, the woman who has feels her husband even today. You just talk about, you say his name, and the smile of love is still in your face. And you still found love by transitioning and finding something new. Yes. And you're a author. Yes. What do you want people to do with this journal when you when when they when, when they purchase it? Well, the journal actually was written. It was a long time. It actually was a long time coming. I had actually written four prayer books because I was like, I got to be busy after Kenny transition. I got to keep myself busy. And I wind up writing four prayer books, which each year I kept saying, I'm going to get my prayer book done and get my prayer book done, get my prayer book done. And it just never happened. So for people who start something, I want to first say, although you're starting it, doesn't mean that it's supposed to happen right now. So if you think of it, it was four years. I wrote a book every year, Book of Prayers, but none of them actually got published. Someone came to me and asked me to, to read, just read a book that they wrote. And then I asked them, well, I want to do that. How can I do it? And so that's how the journey began. And I'm figuring I'm going to go get prayers out of these four books but that wasn't God's plan because at the time that we were going through, people were losing people every day, every minute, every second because of COVID. And the way that this, this particular journal was written, it was written about declaring, although you can pray, although people can pray for you, it's a declaration journal about what do you want to see happen in your life? When you pray to God, do you really have a connection with him? Or are you praying with him and talking with him, communicating with him out of habit? Mm. And so for me, you know, I told you, I go back. I, I stand on what God said. And if God said it, even if I don't see it happen, it doesn't mean that it can't happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what my resolve in my mind is, is that I can believe it. And maybe it just never happens but it doesn't mean that God couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted people to kind of understand with all of the turmoil we're seeing right now, all the trouble, all the pain, all the suffering, that God is still present before us, but you gotta know how to declare what it is you want to happen mm -hmm. and what you wanna see transition. What do you wanna see change? And so when I'm thinking I'm gonna go and get these, these uh, this is gonna be an easy task for me. So I, I get connected with this, what's called a ghostwriter. And a ghostwriter really handles people that have already written their information. They've already got all their documents and stuff ready, but you just need somebody to help you publish, print, do all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. She gives you, this particular woman gave, gave us seven days to write a book. And so you're thinking, how can something be written in seven days in quality? And I, don't, I would never put anything, anything out that wasn't something that was of quality because mm -hmm. I believe in, I'm going to give you my best no matter what it is I'm doing. And so I'm like, I got this. I'm going to run through this. I'm going to be done in three days. I'm going to be the one who ran the race and got it done fast. <laughs> Day four, I had nothing done. Every time I kept going to those prayer books, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It was like, this is not what's supposed to be here. I'm going one direction and God is taking me in another direction. So this is what I'm telling people. Don't try to do what you want to do. 
leave yourself open for the spirit of God to show you what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And then when you yes. do that, whatever you do, his hands is on it, which means that it's never going to fail. Mm -hmm. And so I fell asleep one night and I was crying and I was like, I I'm thinking I'm a failure. Once again, I tried to do something that's not happening. And I remember falling asleep on my countertop and waking up and I could just hear in my, like sometimes people's like, how do God talk to you? God talks to people when you're connected with them. Mm -hmm. Go find a blank yes. page and just start typing. So I started typing. I typed for two hours. I didn't do spell check. I didn't do anything. I just was typing. I got tired, fell asleep. I didn't read anything that I wrote. The next night we get out of class. I do the same thing. I'm just typing, typing, typing. So now we're on day, um, it's like five and a half going into six. And God tells me, now you can read it. And so I'm looking at this and I'm looking at it. He says, all you need to do is put titles to what you just wrote. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I wrote this? It was totally different from the other stuff that I wrote. Because mm -hmm. now this had, it was like, like you got meat, potatoes, you got the gravy, you got the, <laughs> I'm like reading this and I'm saying to myself, well, dang girl, you the bomb I <laughs> Because I couldn't believe that what I was reading was written by my hands. Mm -hmm. But then I really realized at that point, Regina had stepped outside of Regina and let God take control because what he wanted to get into the hands of people was not what was what was what Regina was going to write, but what he was going to give Regina to write, so that when people read it, they would truly be blessed and want this book for other people to read because it had that much substance to it. And so, and how did you come up with the name of the book, Regina? I pray all the time, and so I was like, okay, and I pray because that's what I do. I pray, Aww. I pray constantly all day from the time I wake up in the morning to maybe I'm looking out the window and I'm praying. And so it's like, this is my lifestyle. This is who I, what I do. Mm -hmm. I pray. And so it's not unfamiliar for me. And so I'm thinking, okay. you know, okay. So now it's like, what do you want to do with this? This is, these are declarations. Mm -hmm. So it's called, and I pray my daily declarations to walking in my destiny. So it's like, so I, tell the, so I tell the reader, when you read this book, when you read this journal, you're declaring what you want to see mm -hmm. and the destiny that lies before you. Beautiful. And that's, that's what I beautiful. want them to get from it. That's beautiful. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, I'm so proud of you. That's wonderful. Regina, at what point did you or have you? Um, start to return to recognizing who you are. And when I say but when I say that, I know that when I was going through um, a period of when um, raising a child with, with special needs, there were moments when I didn't recognize who I who I was because like you said, we're always worried about taking care of everyone else. And so trying to ensure that her needs were met, I became this person that some days I, I could hear words coming out of my mouth and I'm saying, I don't even recognize who that person is. Normally I'm a very gentle person. I'm a nice person. And then some, some days based on, <laughs> you know, some days based on how the world was trying to change her path, 
I became this very overprotective person that um, like a, 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 a lioness, right? Protecting mm -hmm. her cub. And so, um, but it took me a moment to try and connect back to who I was because I didn't like um, some of the words that were coming out of my mouth or the responses that I was giving. I knew the purpose of it, but at what point did you start to connect back to who you, who you were, who you remember that you were prior to your husband being ill? Oh, that's a good question, Kathy, because you know something? I'm still finding her. <laughs> I'm still finding her. Mm -hmm. Every day something happens. I'm like, wow. I remember maybe when I was 16, I said I wanted to do that. And now I'm in my 50s and I'm just doing it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like all of those things that I maybe spoke and I didn't know at the time I was speaking it into existence to happen in my life. I'm finding all of those things now. And I wouldn't trade the way I, anything that happened in my course, mm -hmm. because I believe everything happens for a purpose and for a time and to strengthen me and to show me my vulnerabilities, to show me to, to love people and to be compassionate about people and not take advantage of people, to, to, to value time mm -hmm. and to value the space that you have and the things that you want to do. Because I still, every morning I get up, it amazes me. I was talking with someone today about a project I'm about to do. And they were like, girl, you are on, you are, you're like busy. And mm -hmm. I said, yeah. And this came out of me having a conversation with a group of people that I was, I was just doing a counseling session, a group with about mm -hmm. grieving these women. That's yeah. Yes. That's what I want to talk to you about. You say that, you know, you, again, it's this falling in love. Mm. You know, we, it, you know, life breaks our heart. When we lose people that we love, it's it's hard. It's it's a difficult place to be. And you remember the love and that keeps the smile on your face mm. and you see your children and it just brings you back. And I don't say that it keeps, we find projects that keep us busy. We now are devoted to God and we're listening to God. And this inner love and peace that we have is just amazing. This is, I was mm. telling Kathy, this is the best that I have felt in the last five years. And five years ago was the worst day of my life. Mm. And today it's, I'm obedient to God's will and following God's will. And you're on the same path. And it is an internal, beautiful feeling to have. Mm. And now in addition to your journal, you're also at your church. You have a ministry. Yes. Um, in the last couple of minutes, I want you to talk about the church that you're at and the ministry that you started, please. Um, yes, I am a member, a proud member of Vertical Church in West Haven. Some people may have known it as Living Word Ministries. Okay. Amazing, yes. amazing group of people. It's a multicultural church, and we believe in taking our next steps with God, walking with God, doing community with God, and reaching people where they are. And I, that's what I love about and being in service in a church like that, because you don't have a lot of people trying to tell you what God is telling you to do. They're trying to get you to hear, to hear what God is telling you to do. And so we do this thing called small groups. And you'll find a lot of the larger churches do the small groups because you want to be able to have community within the church that you go to. And when you're at a church that maybe there's a thousand members, you can seem like a small fish and a big, big lake. 
And so when you do a small groups, you kind of do what you're doing is you're taking something that you have an interest. Other people may have the same interest and you meet and you group and you talk and you pray and you, you go out to eat and you ride bikes and you just, you know, you exercise and you crochet and, you know, it's like, yeah, we go to church, but we're also having fun going to church because we're doing life together. And I had been wanting to do something um, for a couple of years now with helping people understand how to heal when you, when your spouse transitions. And I kept saying I was going to do it. I was going to do it. But this time when the small groups came, we don't, we do them quarterly. The small groups came and they were asking for people that wanted to lead a group. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take a swing at this. And I don't know what's going to come of this. We'll see. And so I says, I'm going to do a group and I'm going to call the group from hurt to healing because we are at stages of hurt throughout our life cycle. We're going to always have something that we're grieving, something that we're mourning, something that hurts us. And we have to, at some point in time, heal from it. And what your level of healing is depends on how far you want to take it. And so I wrote up the description of the group. You have to go to a course. They teach you how to run a group to make sure that you understand people, confidentiality, and just be available. And so it's time to sign up. People sign up. I got all these people signed up in my class. I'm like, whoa, okay, God, you're going to have to be at the wheel with this because I got to let you use me. Mm-hmm. And I met this amazing group of people who the, all of them pretty much have lost their spouses since 2011, I mean, which is 11 now. We're in, two, we're in 2021. 2021. So 20, 20, yes. Between 2020 and 2021. All mm-hmm. these people came to this group. And even one person came from outside that doesn't go to my church because I knew she lost her spouse had transitioned. And I wanted, I thought it was important for her to be in a, this group with these mm-hmm. men and women. And it wasn't just for women, it was for men and women. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. people look at women grieving, but men grieve too. And right. it's important for people to be able to have your, it's like we live in a new, we live in a world where things were one way for us, but now things are different from us. And so we need to have a community that is like us right now, that's suffering, that's grieving, that's in pain, that wants to scream, that doesn't know if they can make it and they can understand. My friends who have a husbands, they don't understand my life. When I had my husband, we all were in sync because Mm. everything we did, we did as couples. When Kenny transitioned, they're there for me but they don't understand how lonely it gets when I see them and I don't get jealous, but it's like, I wish my Kenny was here with me and he would laugh at this or he would eat this way. It's like, you know, you still have those emotions about what was going on with him. You have a new world of people now who understand what you're going through and you Mm -hmm. really need to connect with those people because those people will be your greatest life source out of God. Because you need to be able to understand if you cry every day, don't let nobody tell you that you don't need to stop that you need to stop crying. Mm-hmm. Don't, leave, don't, yes. let, don't let people tell you that today because it's been three months that you should be over whatever right. happened. And people will tell you that. Mm-hmm. You have to in many cases, the women never did finances. They mm-hmm. didn't take care of nothing in their household. Mm-hmm. They gotta learn this stuff now. Mm-hmm. 
And a person that is busy off taking care of their husband and their children, they don't have time for you to do that. Mm-hmm. A group of people who are in the same place as you are can give you advice and tell you, well, this is how I did it. Try it this way. Try it at, try, try your hand at doing this. And so we're there to do life together, but we're also there to help each other heal. Regina, that is a wonderful segue. And I thank you for being obedient to the spirit of God and letting God use you and still smiling and falling in love. Yeah. I would say, it is, I, it is. I would say, and I know, Del, I'm sorry, we're not supposed to interrupt no. each other, but I, I would say, I think what I like about what Regina is saying is that through all of this, I'm watching her and it, it feels like she's falling in love with herself. Yes, I was about to say that, Kathy, I'm loving <laughs> me now, yes. yes. And that is yes. awesome. I love the energy. Thank you. Thank and you And this, so my much. smile is genuine. I tell people, people say you smile a lot. And I says, but I cry a lot too. I'm just by myself you know, and there's sometimes I could be in a car and I just cry, but I'm still happy because and the, yes. some people didn't get, some people <laughs> never got to live the life that I'm living. Mm-hmm. And so for that, this smile is very genuine. And I had, and some people never recover from pain. Yes. They never do. They let the pain consume them and the love is there. And when I was putting together the flyer for this podcast, I said, people are going to look at this and automatically assume, oh, she's dating somebody (laughs) who she engaged to. And I said, that's the first Mm -hmm. thing they're going to think about, that it has to be a person until you realize that you're falling in love with you, Mm -hmm. the who we are and where we are today and the path of being totally submitted to God's will. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a beautiful journey. Yeah, you can rise up the ashes. I tell people you can rise. You have to want it and you have to love yourself enough to want to have it happen. Mm-hmm. Regina, thank you for being on our show. Thank you for being on interruptions and sharing with our listeners who are going to hear about falling in love and we're thinking one thing and have learned another because we forget ourselves. We forget to fall in love with ourselves and to know that it's internal. You know, it's just like they say on the plane, put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can help somebody else. So we will be sharing where to find your journal on Amazon. The link will be on this podcast. So we're going to ask people to click on the link and subscribe to learn more and to vertical church when you can always go to her church and find out when your short when your small group sessions are going to reconvene yes thank you thank you so much for having me oh i just feel so i i can't even tell you how i feel right now to be able to share my story because i believe the stories that we have help other people thank you so much thank you thank you